Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Indeed, Keyshawn, it was a big stop in the Big Easy and a big win for the New Orleans Saints on Monday Night Football. But when you think about the stats, when you look at the stats, the Chargers don't lead the league in many statistics, but they do lead the league in one unofficial category and have for years. Gut-punching, heartbreaking losses. That's the only way the Chargers lose games. Good morning. Welcome inside Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. We're Without J. Will. That's Progressive right. Insurance. J. Will will be back tomorrow. Yes. He will Resting be back his tomorrow. brain. <laughs> and I think it's tough for the New Orleans Saints. You talked about, I mean, on the brain for the Saints was, look, we don't have a preseason. We don't have rookie camp, mini camp, OTAs, anything. But we'll be fine because we have an established quarterback who's 41 but experienced no drop-off before this season started. We got Michael Thomas, your nephew, who didn't play for disciplinary reasons yesterday. Hey, watch out. Allegedly. But, allegedly. But was off to the best start for any wide receiver in league history. Caught 149 balls this year. Nobody's ever caught more balls in a single season. You have Alvin Kamara, so a little bit more of the offensive onus will fall on him. You don't have a great defense, but what does it matter uh, They've never had a great league, defense. Right? And this year's scoring is at an incredible clip. There have been plenty of stories done about how, why scoring is up and there are a variety of reasons. So if you're the Saints, it's like, listen, no fans, some adversity. They're sort of built for it. And last night, they may have revalidated that, but going into last night, that was a big issue. But you think the bigger story is the team that lost, again in heartbreaking fashion, but maybe not too many of those left because of the kid they got under center that might be able to turn the tide sooner rather look, than later. Look, the Saints are the Saints. They were my preseason Super Bowl pick to make it to the Super Bowl out the NFC, and that stays the same. Uh, once they get Mikey back, then or Michael Thomas back, people don't know him as Mikey, um, I think that they'll get better on an offense and they'll be more consistent, and Drew Brees will be the quarterback that we all thought that he would be starting the beginning of the season. But when you look at the Chargers, the L.A. Chargers, that is, they found the quarterback in Justin Herbert, a guy who's phenomenal in the red zone, big, strong, pocket awareness, tough luck, though. Obviously, the first game against the Kansas City Chiefs, he was chilling. Coach walked over to him and said, you're the starter. He went in. He played as perfect as you could play for a guy who didn't know he was starting that game until Game time. And then, yes, you fast forward, you look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneer game, and then you look at last night's game. I don't even know how people would even question his ability as a quarterback. Now no one is. Everybody's saying, oh, my God, he's a star in the making. Four touchdowns last night, 264 yards in the air, and he was 20 of 34. When you look at him, and I've had the pleasure of watching him throughout his college career because I was living on the West Coast in Los Angeles UCLA, USC. Oregon kid. O Oregon kid. But I've, I've had a chance to see him play in the Pac-12 conference. When I watched him up close in person, I knew his ability. I knew he had the, the arm strength. I knew he had the ability to get out of escape trouble because he can run. At Rose Bowl last year, he scored touchdowns with his legs against Wisconsin. And so when you watch him, critic people criticize him during the draft process – I'm sitting there and I'm saying to myself, what are they looking at? What did they see? When you evaluate the talent at Oregon, he wasn't throwing to Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. He was throwing to receivers that will never play on Sundays in the National Football League. That's just the, the, the facts of it. And he was pretty dominant. Um, I think, though, 
people get caught up in what others say instead of really doing their own homework and evaluations on the kid. And the Chargers got it right. We all figured, okay, why didn't they sign Cam Newton in the offseason? Because they are a quarterback away, which they were a quarterback away. And I think they found that guy in Justin Herbert. It hasn't turned into W's quite yet. They're a team that is young. They lose that game last night because they're young. They lose two 17-point leads over the last couple weeks because they're young. It's relatively a young football team. When you think about Austin Eckler, you think about Bosa, you think about James at the safety position, Mike Williams to a degree. Keenan Allen's a little long in the tooth, but the, the, the nucleus of the team is a young football team. And so I think it's coming. You know, Anthony Lenz has some tough breaks with field goal kickers. Uh, you know, in his four years there, they've kind of hit and miss on some kicking games. And then the long field goal last night, just barely outside the, the goal post and doink. And then they go into the overtime. And then New Orleans, a veteran team, knows how to go down there and win the game. Here's one thing about Justin Herbert people don't think about. And you referenced everything they've overcome. They probably should have beaten the Chiefs. The Chiefs hit two 58-yard field goals to win that game, but they were up 11 points in the third quarter in Herbert's first NFL game, as you mentioned, coming in minutes before after Tyrod Taylor had a mishap with a punctured lung. They I were mean, think to about it, see? Killing injection. We're, 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 just think about it from, from your standpoint. We're standing on the sidelines of the national championship game in Kirk Herbstreet or, 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 Chris Fowler or somebody can't go. And they grab you and say, Z, we need you to do this. I mean, it's like, oh, I got to do what? Even though you may be prepared and you may have studied something, but you were on the sidelines to do radio, not in the booth to do television. Think about it. Even from a broadcasting perspective, Jim Nance and Tony Romo were calling the game. And when they saw Herbert trot onto the field, look, they have more access than anybody to the players before the game. And when they saw Herbert trot onto the field, they were stunned. They had no idea what was going on. So he performs well in that game in a loss. Then you mentioned they were up 17 to Tom Brady. Couldn't hold on there. Up 17 last night. They are a, they are a terrible one-score team. They are an absolutely terrible one-score team. They cannot win one-score games whatsoever. And I think when people saw him at college, there is no I think, I know. When people saw him against Arizona State and Marvin Lewis and Herm Edwards and Antonio Pierce's defense, kind of negate him and do things to him out at ASU, people automatically assume, uh-oh. But this was the first time in his young career that he had faced def- real pro defensive-minded guys. Think about it. Herman was Antonio Pierce and Marvin Lewis down in Arizona State dialing up defenses to embarrass the kid on the national stage. And they did that. And that essentially kept them out of the college football and, playoffs. And that kept them out of college football playoffs, but it also set a narrative in people's mind as, uh-oh, he can't handle the stuff that they're bringing to him. One more thing I want to mention, and this is something that you would know since you covered him in the Pac-12, and this is why I think this story is great. Burrow's a great story, and if Burrow had come out after his first year at LSU, obviously never would have went first overall. Tua was amazing from day one when he came in to rescue that national championship game, but picked right behind him was Herbert. Tua had all the shine in the world, and Burrow, let's be honest, he's two colleges were Ohio State and LSU, so I don't want to hear any underdog story with Joe Burrow, right? It's like, oh, Tom Brady wasn't that athletic. Folks, he played at Michigan, okay? He was drafted by the Montreal Expos. Don't tell me he wasn't an athlete. Here's the thing with Justin Herbert. He grew up one mile, one mile 
from Autzen Stadium, which is the home of the Ducks. He and his father used to walk to Ducks games, like as a fan. And now, 20 years later, people are walking to Ducks games. His dad is walking to the stadium, and other people got Herbert on their back. Great story, fun, cute. But when he arrived in Eugene, he was the six-string quarterback. Yeah. He's a pre-med major. If football didn't work out, he would be a doctor. He was a TA, a teaching assistant in biology. He's a quiet kid. Have you noticed? For a guy that plays in L.A., was a Heisman finalist, not technically a finalist, but a guy a lot of people thought was good enough to be a finalist. The long hair, everything he had going. He went back to school his junior year. Right, to play with his brother who was coming in as a tight end, but he finished up his career. I just think there's something about the fact that you walk in as a six-string guy. Nobody had any clue who you were. You're basically in the zip code. You're in the area. Nobody knows who you are. You went to high school in Eugene. You play college in Eugene. You show up, five dudes in front of you, undaunted, waited his turn, balled out when he got there. And I think that personal story says something about the way he's been able to handle this. And and, and, and Evan and I, our producer, we had conversations about young quarterbacks. and, And I've always said, I need a guy three years plus. I need a guy that's been in college for three years plus. I don't want the one-year guy, the one-year wonders. That I, I just I need a guy that's been there, like a Justin Herbert, who's gone the distance to kind of really understand the maturity that's going to take to be an NFL quarterback. Fair enough. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests on the Shell Pennzoil performance line, including NFL insider Dan Graziano and Super Bowl champion Jeff Saturday, who will all be here to opine their thoughts on Justin Herbert. Dan at 7, Jeff Saturday at 7.30. Still on the way. You think the Browns have had a ton of quarterbacks trying to find the right one since coming back into the league? Wait till you see the list that the Bills have had since Jim Kelly retired after the 1996 season. Do they finally have their answer? Find out on Tuesday Night Football. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. And from A to Z is brought to you by Redbox. New at Redbox, Irresistible, a hilarious comedy from the writer-director John Stewart. Starring Steve Carell and Rose Byrne. Visit redbox.com for all the ways to watch. Let's start with a little NFL. 
The Jets' Adam Gase, his head coach, conceding it may be time for him to give up play calling. The quote from Gase is key. Chuckles, trying not to go all out laughter here. Quote, I mean, I don't think I've ever been opposed to trying something to try to change things up. I'd say everything is on the table at this point, Key. You think? You think everything's on the table? How about everything's been on the table? It is. Might be knocked off the table here soon enough. The Jets are 0-5. They're in Miami on Sunday. They have scored 75 points in five games this season. Remember when I said tons of teams were scoring tons of points? There's an addendum to that, and that would obviously be the Jets. 75 points in five games. And Gase, who, of course, got the job because of so-called offensive play-calling genius proclivity, is now willing to give up the one thing that many people thought ended up landing him the job. Maybe be, I may not be so good at this. Why don't you try it? <laughs> yes, they'll be back in Miami. Gase's old stomping grounds again on Sunday. The NHL's top free agent, Alex Petrangelo, is signing with the Las Vegas Golden Knights. Seven-year deal worth $61.6 million. Again, it's all funny money, but that type of money in the NHL is gigantic. I know we're used to ridiculous NBA contracts, Major League Baseball contracts, even the top-level NFL contracts, even though they're not guaranteed. But seven years, 61.6 is gigantic in hockey. No, that's good for Alex. I'm excited. I can't wait to get to Vegas next year to watch him skate. He's had a great couple years. Remember, he was a member of the St. Louis Blues. A couple years Mm -hmm. ago, they won the Stanley Cup, so he goes from St. Louis to Las Vegas. A little college football, the Florida Gators head coach Dan Mullen raised some eyebrows over the weekend after his team lost to Texas A&M at Kyle Field. He felt like there was just great energy there in College Station, and as such, he has asked the Swamp Florida's home stadium, Ben Grill, uh, Ben Grin, Griffin Hill Stadium, excuse me, that seats 88,548 fans. 88,548. He wants it full on Saturday when they take on LSU. Part of the reason he's asking for that is because Florida's Governor Ron DeSantis Key recently lifted COVID-19 restrictions, essentially saying if they want to go total capacity at any stadium around the state of Florida, you can do it. And that gave Mullen the okay to say, 88-548, I want every seat full. I don't know if that's a smart idea. Coach has got to rethink that. I really do. I think he needs to rethink that. Indeed. So we'll see what ends up happening. Dan Mullen wants the swamp full like it used to be pre-coronavirus. Of course, the swamp... Spurrier, all of that, you go back, and he's bringing it back. The offense is there. It's fun and gun. We'll wait to see if there'll be 88,548 to see them take on LSU, who has had an offensive and especially defensive uh, collapse uh, the last couple of Again, weeks. that wouldn't be smart. <laughs> yes. We'll see what happens. Smart on the field for sure. He's got five losses in two years. He's been great, but uh, maybe not great in this particular regard. Great. A good way to describe Josh Allen. Time for Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. It is Tuesday night football, as we mentioned. We'll get into the Titans, who haven't played a game since September 27th in just one moment. You might remember that game. That was the one they won against the Vikings with a field goal in the final seconds. But the real story here is Josh Allen and what kind of player he can be. He has been an MVP candidate, Key. And since Jim Kelly retired after the 1996 season, the legendary Bills quarterback who took them to four straight Super Bowls, he's been very bullish on Josh Allen. He thinks he's the guy. I want to reel off just some of the guys, Key, just some of the guys they've had at quarterback since Jim Kelly retired, none of whom have been the answer, with the idea that maybe, just maybe, this guy is. You ready for some names I, here? I, I, yeah, I could start just off the top of my head. Rob Johnson. Rob Johnson. USC Doug, guy. Doug, Doug Flutie. Doug Flutie. Uh, Flutie Flakes. Flutie Flakes. After that, what? Uh, what's the kid that got drafted? Uh, top, he was a first round pick. Oh, J.P. Lossman. J.P. Lossman. Kid from yep. Tulane. Tulane. He's on the list. 
Uh, Do any of these people stand out to you? No. Okay. Rob, I know, but other He's than that, and Flutie was a, a, a nice story at the time, but no. But go ahead. Give there, me the rest of the list. Here's some that'll, uh, and again, you, you, you got to be a pretty hardcore NFL fan for, for some of these. Flutie, you know. Okay, Drew Bledsoe, we know. Yeah, Bledsoe was traded from Buffalo. I mean, from New England. Obviously, Fitzmagic. Fitzmagic. Uh, okay. Kyle Orton. E. Uh, That's right. Tyrod Taylor. TT was there. Todd Collins. The Ty Collins from Michigan? Yeah, Todd oh, Collins. Oh, yeah, he from was Michigan. there. That's right. Yeah, mm-hmm. Todd Collins. Alex Van Pelt. Alex Van Pelt. Kelly Holcomb. I don't remember Kelly Holcomb being there. Tad Lewis, kid from Duke. Remember him? Yeah, he was there for a cup of coffee. And last and probably least, Peterman. Oh, Nathan God. Peterman. Remember him? Yeah, Lot six interceptions or whatever it was and a half. Five. And <laughs> they actually benched. And I, I'll never understand. And, I, and, I, and Brandon Bean was a good friend of mine who's a general manager. And I know Sean McDermott, but I've never had that conversation with him. Like, what the hell was y'all thinking? Because Tyrod Taylor was playing well. He actually led him to the playoffs that year. Yeah. But they benched him, and he went out to L.A. to play the Chargers. And the Peterman threw, like, five picks. In a half. And they kept him in the damn game. Five picks in a half. So, just long story short, to essentially say, now we've arrived at Josh Allen. I know he's not your MVP front runner, but this is a great, great spot. He is breaking Bill's le- records left and right. Yes. And through the first three weeks of the NFL season, he had actually set records league-wide, not just Buffalo-wise. What are you thinking about him tonight? Well, this is, this is an opportunity. On a, I would call this obviously a primetime game. It's a Tuesday. They're the only game in town for people across the country to get a look at this kid, to really see what he's capable of doing. Our Dan Orlowski tried to warn us about him a week or so ago, but he put him in an MVP conversation, and I don't think he's quite there yet because I think defensively they have a lot to, to do with winning those football games. But surely on the offensive side, he's done a tremendous job since being drafted out of Wyoming. There was a lot of questions marks about his character coming out of school, how his teammates would embrace him based on some of his early teenage tweets that he put out there. That has since gone away, and he's redeemed himself as far as in that locker room with his teammates, and you could tell based on how they respond to him on the field. Straight Talk Wireless, no contract, no compromise. Still on the way, some very interesting comments from the top rung of the Cowboys about Dak Prescott and some very interesting comments from the top rung of the Atlanta Falcons on Matt Ryan. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash unsportsmanlike today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com 
slash unsportsmanlike. So here is the exact quote from Stephen Jones, Jerry's son, the team's COO, chief operating officer, when asked if the team key planned to keep Dak in Dallas. Quote, if there's any plans to move on, right? Are we going to do anything but keep him here? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. He's our future. He's special. He said this on 105.3, the fan in Dallas, the sports radio station, going on to say, quote, if anyone can overcome anything, it'll be Dak. This is something our doctors feel good that he'll overcome and he'll be back better than ever. Good words, but uh, words only matter so much. Yeah, yeah, but but look, it's a new injury. He's got to rehab four to six months, and I can trust in the doctors in Dallas as well as the uh, physical therapy there, the trainers, the actual football trainers, and because I've been there. I've seen them. They've been there forever. Their work is impeccable. Guys come back from injuries all the time and play well with the Cowboys. This is a little bit different, though, right, because it's an ankle. He's a mobile quarterback. You've got to have that mobility for him to be special. I think he's going to come back at 100%. You don't know today. With that being said, there's all these hypotheticals that will be out there over the next several months. As the Cowboys continue to lose football games, there will be conversations about draft status. Where do they, you know, where are they going to pick? Are they going to pick in the top five? Are they going to pick in the top ten? Who's going to be there when they select? Let's just play hypothetical. Let's play radio and TV for a minute. What if they pick in the top five? What if there's a couple quarterbacks that are sitting there in that top five spot that they happen to be in because Andy Dalton didn't do like I thought he was going to do, which is help them get to the playoffs and win the division. Now they're sitting there and there's a Trevor Lawrence hanging around with long hair out the back of the helmet. There's a Justin Fields who is very dynamic. There's a a, uh, Trey Lance from uh, North Dakota who has a lot of that same Dak stuff to him. And you're sitting there. And you're saying to yourself from an organizational standpoint, do we invest $200 million plus into Dak Prescott, not really understanding his ankle because it's April now, so he hasn't gotten into the OTAs. We don't, we don't know what he is. We're only going off what our doctors are telling us, Z. Or what do we do with that pick? Do we pass on one of these guys? Or do we try to get a shorter deal done with Dak? Or do we franchise Dak and then try to get a long-term deal done after we see the progress in the summer? With all that being said, we could save ourselves a whole lot of money because we get these quarterbacks on their rookie contract for the first four years, you know, it'll cost them, I think it'll cost them 30-ish million dollars over four years of guaranteed money Mm -hmm. opposed to what Dak would demand over four or five years. So they start, you start to play that game. Do you pass on what people are saying is a -a once-in-a-lifetime Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields? Uh, Do you pass on that? I mean, that's a question that they're going to have to address as this thing continues to move forward. And it's great for Steve to come out and say that. Yeah, you can vote of confidence, and yes, he's our guy, and we love him to death. There's no question about it. 
until it really starts to matter. It's a juicy scenario, but one our ESPN NFL insider Chris Mortensen says likely won't come to fruition because Dak isn't leaving the Metroplex. I think Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones, listen, I think they're being honest with people on public face that they want Dak. They expect Dak to be their future. And I personally, as a journalist, if you ask me if he was going to play for anybody else other than the Cowboys next year, I would tell you no. And that's Chris Mortensen's thoughts. And, that, and that's what I would believe, too. But I also know things change. That's why you can never say, matter of fact, this is never going to happen. This is Because it changes, right? I mean, it just does. Now, you got to believe in your medical staff. If you, Steven and Jerry and Jerry Jr. who and Will Clay, who kind of head up the, the personnel department for the Cowboys, you have to believe in the doctors. You, you just do, you, because they're not doctors. And if they're telling you four to six months, he's going to be fine, he'll get back to form and be himself, we put these screws and these plates in there, it'll be as good as new, better than before. You have to believe that. But what if it's not? And the other thing, too, is you have to think about it from a sobering perspective. Yes, it's still Jerry. Jerry's making the decisions, but many of them have been passed on to Steven. So, for example, when Johnny Manziel was available to be picked out of Texas A&M after setting the state on fire and Jerry really wanted him. Not literally either, though. Figuratively. (laughs) His son, Steven, the COO who made those comments about Dak we mentioned earlier, essentially came in and said, you know what? This is not sexy. This is not a great pick. But we're going to pick this guy, Zach Martin. He's going to help our offensive line. He's from Notre Dame. We're not going to win the press conference. We're not going to have highlights all over ESPN and NFL Network. Look at that pancake block. It's not as exciting as seeing as Johnny run around making miracles. But I do think if you think about who's making the pick, yeah, that Lawrence Field scenario is very juicy. But I think the Cowboys are looking at things a lot differently now in the way they select players, especially in the triumvirate that you mentioned. But they've always, historically, though, and, and I've always told people this, and you got to give them credit for no matter who was their coaching, they've always done a good job in the draft selecting players, man. They've always, I don't care if it was Bill Parcells or or, or it was, was Jimmy Johnson and Jerry or if it was Wade Phillips or if it was Jason Gear, they've always hit to a, a large degree and percentage-wise on their draft picks. They just, they get that right. So from a young quarterback that obviously could be missing out on a ton of money to this one, would you pay a quarterback? I'm going to give you a little blind resume here, realizing guys like the LeBron that are 35 are just outliers. But if we go back to a 35-year-old quarterback who's been in decline, who hasn't made the playoffs in a couple years, and next year is owed forty million nine hundred twelve thousand. $40 plus million, 35, missed the playoffs the last two years. Just from a blind resume, before I even tell you who this is. Is it 40 cap money or 40 real money? He would count on their books for 40.9. Okay, so that's a little different, but go okay. ahead. Would you be excited to pay a guy with that resume that much money? Um, Probably not. No, I wouldn't. That is Matt Ryan. Since the Super Bowl loss, the biggest collapse in Super Bowl history, 28-3 over the Patriots, they have gone 24-29. and They're 0-5 for the first time since 1997. They have fired their head coach, Dan Quinn, and their general manager, Thomas Dimitrov. Their owner, Arthur Blank, who I think has been one of the most patient owners key in the league, especially with Quinn, said this when asked about his franchise quarterback. I love Matt, much like I love Dan. I love Thomas. Matt's been a you know franchise leader for us, a great quarterback. I hope he's going to be part of our plans going forward, but that'll be a decision that I won't make. I hope he's part of our plans moving forward, but that's a decision we're going to have to make. 
Um, I guess it's not surprising considering the age, the cap hit, the relative slight decline in play. But I would also say when you look at something like this, the biggest thing I think is you guys have always said, if you don't have a quarterback, you don't have anything. And we just talked about the risk involved in passing on Dak and getting somebody that may be great but may not. If you have a guy like this, is it worth riding out because at least he's a proven commodity? You're telling me you yank this guy and then who knows? I'm at the reset button. I'm at the reset button with the Atlanta Falcons because it's a new staff on an older quarterback. So you, it's a reset button. But if guys but, play until their 40s, is it feasible he could turn it around? But it's a it's a it's it's a reset button. I, I don't believe. No, look, I like Matt. Matt's good. If I put him around, if I took Matt and put him on a team that was kind of like a ready type team, then it works. But Atlanta's got a lot of problems. They got a lot of cap issues. They got the Julio Jones money tied up. He's hurt. I mean, they got the the uh, the defensive tackle that they just signed, Grady uh, Jarrett. Jarrett. They mm-hmm. signed him. That's money tied up. So it's a lot of money issues. That's the Atlanta Falcons. Matt Ryan can play till he's 40. He's been in Atlanta 13 or 14 years since being drafted as the third pick overall. He's been statistically a little bit on the decline. But when you're bringing in a new general manager and a new head coach, they want to go with who they think fits them long term. Um, based on his cap number, I'm sure if they did something with him, whether it's trade him or just outright release him, it's going to accelerate. That number of 40 goes up to something else. Uh, so do you – Oh, at 0-5, they're probably going to be in the top five selections. So do you look at Trevor Lawrence, who's from Georgia? Do you look at uh, Justin Fields from Georgia area? Do you look at those guys and say, okay, we're reshaping everything we're doing at – from an offensive standpoint at the quarterback spot in 2022. Cause in 2021, we're going to play with Matt. His numbers are probably going to drop from a salary cap standpoint in 2021 or 2022. So now I can part ways and not have to swallow a big pill because if I do something in 21 with him, then it's probably a bad situation because of the number. So you may be drafting the quarterback for the future that sits tight for a year or maybe two. And when the when the owner says what he said, which is, you know, we're certainly going to look at it and I'm not making a decision because he wants whoever that head coach and a general manager comes in to make that decision because that that coach that comes in may not want to run a system that Matt's been running for the last 13 years, which essentially is a West Coast system, whether it's been – Kyle Shanahan or a short stint with Steve Sarkeesian, a dirt cutter, or that that's been what they have done. This new coach that comes in may not want to do it. It's fair enough. It'll be really interesting. It's hard to think about the Atlanta Falcons without a Matt Ryan. And it's hard to believe that, you know, that's how fast I the league I can't believe changed. he's been there like 14 years. Yeah, though. drafted in 07 out of Boston College. And you look at it and you simply say, had they won that Super Bowl, everything would be different, especially if you bring a franchise their first Super Bowl. You get a lot of rope. You get a lot of latitude but they couldn't hold on, and it has cost Dimitrov, it's cost Dan Quinn, and it may, may cost Matt Ryan. Obviously, he'll hook on with somebody else. We want to mention, we're asking on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed this morning, this is right up Keys Alley, who's more likely to be on the Lakers' Mount Rushmore, the all-time list of four? Anthony Davis, 
or LeBron James? Who might be able to sneak their way on there man, between stop, man. these two? You want to give us an early vote before everybody can it, cast theirs? No, I'm just saying it, it, it for me. For you. It's going to be AD because LeBron's not going to play long enough. He's not going to play long enough with the Lakers. AD, we're hoping, going to be there another 10 years plus. So be a part of Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin Nation on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed, ESPN Nation, presented by Dr. Pepper. It's official. College football's back, and so is your favorite Dr. Pepper-loving college football town, Fansville. Head to a store near you to treat your inner college football fan to an ice-cold 20-ounce Dr. Pepper today. And a reminder, if you can hit us up at KeyJNZ, KeyJNZ, we will recite your tweets at 7.15 Eastern on whether it's the king or the king to be. It's really unbelievable that a guy that wasn't even on the Braves postseason roster a year ago provided the biggest hit of all to knock out Keys Dodgers in game one. Austin Riley taking center stage, and we take center stage with our Eduardo Perez. He joins us on the Shell Pennzoil performance line, 13-year MLB vet. We're going to get to some poignant news surrounding Eddie and his family in just a little bit as baseball lost another legend. It's been a tough couple of months for Major League Baseball. But, Eddie, let's start on the positive note. You know, the Braves are a team that nobody is talking about, yet they were perfect against Cincinnati, Miami. Good start against the Dodgers. What has impressed you the most about this under-the-radar Atlanta squad? Oh, wow. First of all, hello, guys. And, um, and, And to be straight up with you, it's the pitching. I mean, there's no hiding it. Uh, just how good the young pitching has been. And setting the tone, Max Freed in that number one spot with Ian Anderson following him and then Walker doing what he did against the Marlins, uh, there was question marks. There was question marks uh, during the trade deadline of why had they not gone after another starter, a veteran guy that would have been Lance Lynn. Now, let's, let's realize one thing, that there are no days off. Uh, in any of these playoff games, in the, in the, in the wild card, the two, the, the two out of three, the three out of five in the division series, and now in the LCS, no days off. And that plays big into the depth of the pitching. So the starting pitching has to come through. They have to at least be able to throw six innings of solid baseball so you don't have to play mix and match, and you don't use up all of those big arms that you have in the pen. And because of it, Max Fried gave the Atlanta Braves an opportunity to give the ball to Martin, then to Will Smith, and then to Mark Melanson, and able and they're able to shut down a really good offense of the Dodgers. But without the starting pitching, the Atlanta Braves are, are, wouldn't be here. And that starting pitching is homegrown, and it is young. And, wow, it looks like it can be sustainable, not only throughout this playoff series, but for a, for a while there in Atlanta. Alex Sardopoulos has his, has his uh, team pretty much on a roll right now. One quick thing, Eddie, from your colleague Buster Only, who apparently has uh, joined us on the Shell Penzo performance, and he called me off the air with this particular stat before Key has a question about Dave Roberts in the other dugout. This postseason for the Atlanta Braves, 58 innings played, Two home runs allowed. If that doesn't give you the number and accentuate how good their pitching has been, as Eddie said, nothing will. Buster checking in on the Shell Pens oil performance. Yeah, our, the pitching the pitching obviously got to us. We only had four hits. We had 11 Ks uh, on our bats last night, which we can't afford to have. If we Wait, where, where did you hit, Keyshawn? Where in the lineup did you hit? 
Uh, man, stop, man. You you know I'm oh, a okay. dodger. Don't start that, Eddie. Don't start that now. <laughs> I know that. Yeah. <laughs> I know that. I just got a bust your I, I was. I think I batted six. I got, I'm trying to remember yeah. what I, the skipper had me at. But uh, <laughs> let me ask you this, though. So in watching the game, I thought, and you, you correct me if I'm wrong, Walker Bueller was doing a fa- fabulous job, but I think he got up to about 100 pitches in five innings and we decided to go to our pen a little earlier. You mentioned six with these starters. You want to try to get into the sixth inning. We snatched him in five. He only gave up three hits, and one was the big homer, obviously, on a 1-0 lead. Did we go to the pen too early? Uh, no, you did not. Um, let's not Let's not realize, uh, let's not forget that Walker Bueller during the postseason play had only pitched um, four innings max uh, after he had the blister situation. Even during the work, even during the, the warm-ups, he was warming up with band-aids on his fingers to make sure that he did not aggravate it. Obviously, because of the rules, you're not able to pitch with band-aids on your fingers. That comes off, and now you just pray that that blister holds on. Uh, holds on. Uh, you look at it; he still has had a walk problem. He ended up walking five guys, striking out seven during those five innings. Uh, the Dodgers felt in a high-leverage situation that they should start the inning in that sixth inning with Bruce R. Gratterall, who a lot of people thought maybe this is the guy that's going to throw the ninth. But Dave Roberts, in a, in a tie game, at that, in, in, a, in a situation where, where the game was close in, uh, there, decided to go with Gratterall to keep the game close. Then came May, who most likely will start maybe game four. He got, comes in, throws an inning in two-thirds, uh, leaves the bases loaded until Victor Gonzalez comes in and throws a great uh, third of an inning to to get out Charlie Colberson on a strikeout. The tough part was Blake Trinan. Um, they have an issue in the bullpen. We've talked to, we've talked about it. It's no secret. What are they going to do with Kenley Jansen? Um, and we found out yesterday that Blake Trinan is going to be their guy to come in in the ninth inning because he keeps the ball in the yard. How funny is that? That as soon as he keeps the ball in the yard. Uh, someone from the Atlanta Braves, and his name uh, is Austin Riley, comes in and hits uh, the, probably the biggest home run of his life. Um, and he hits it in the ninth inning for the Atlanta Braves to put him up 2-1. to one. Hey, Eddie, we have just one minute left, and I wanted to briefly ask you, your father, the legendary Tony Perez, uh, played on the Big Red Machine with Pete Rose, Johnny Bench, Concepcion, Geronimo, managed by Sparky Anderson, and all of you, in the Big Red Machine family, the dominant Reds teams from the 70s, mourning the loss of Joe Morgan yesterday, the legendary second baseman. What did your father say about playing with Joe Morgan? Um, it's, what, it's what I've already known all my life. I mean, Joe is, Joe, first of all, I lost an uncle yesterday. I lost, a, I lost a, you know, those are all my uncles. I grew up in that clubhouse. I grew up in the 70s. They were the ones that disciplined me when my dad and my mom weren't around and I was running around the clubhouse loose with all the other kids, Ken Griffey Jr., Pete Rose Jr. and all. Um, we lost a big-time family member. Uh, he was, he was, uh, he was uh, the, the spark that the team needed uh, after Pete Rose got on base. He was the guy that you didn't need a sign for that was Sparky Anderson because they knew that he was dynamic. He played his game. He was a smart guy on the bases. He was a power hitter. He was a great glove also defensively at second base. He could do it all. He was um, the the best all-around second baseman of all time. And um, forget about the size. The heart was even bigger. Wow. I love it. Figurative more than literal. The intangibles of the heart of Joe Morgan, the heart and soul of that 
Big Red Machine. Thank you so much, Eddie. Uh, Jay Will, I'll talk to you next time. No, Jay, 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 Jay Will took the day off, man. He's chilling right now. Oh, no wonder. No wonder. Yeah, he's been, he's been, uh, Let him know. he's, uh, been covering the NBA the last several nights, so he needed, he needed a break. I hear you. Thanks, hear Eddie. You. So this All year, right, you got it, fellas. Thank All you. Right. I'm batting cleanup tonight. This year, baseball has lost Tom Seaver, Lou Brock, Bob Gibson, the chairman of the board, Whitey Ford, and Joe Morgan. You have a very quick, uh, story about Joe Morgan. You spent some time with him about 20 years ago? Yeah, no, it was it was fun. I had a chance to to, to meet Joe down in Houston. I was on a panel. Actually, it was an ESPN panel, uh, Racing Sports with President Clinton, myself, Joe Morgan, Jim Brown, Jackie Joyner-Kersey. I feel like John Thompson was there. And so we just kind of just, you know, Bob Lee was the moderator. It was, it was Having an opportunity to meet a guy that you grew up watching was impressive. Look it up, April 14th, 98, if you want a history lesson with Key and Company. More NFL talk on the Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. You can hear the show live weekdays at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio, ESPN News, or wherever you stream your audio.